Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Living Healthy Podcast presented by LA Fitness. I'm your very proper host, Andrew Gabell. And I'm your not-so-proper host, Candace Curry. <laughs> and today, we're asking the questions everyone wants answers to. Why does metabolism decrease with age, and how can this be reversed? Can it even be reversed? When does it start? Are we all doomed? Maybe. Okay, that last one may have been a bit extreme. The point is, we have a lot of questions, and we're hoping our guest today has some positive answers for us. That way, we can keep our metabolism strong and running for years to come. On the show today, we have with us dietitian Debbie James, our go-to for all things nutrition. We're happy to have you back on the show with us, Debbie. It is great to see you guys, and I'm honored to be back. Before we jump into the questions here, we just want to remind all you listeners out there that if you have a nutrition or fitness-related question for us or topic, we'd love to hear it. You can make sure we see it by using the hashtag livinghealthypodcasts, or you can email us at blog at lafitness.com. So what is metabolism exactly? Well, scientifically, you'd call it collectively all the chemical reactions that take place in the body. So a metabolic rate would be the uh, rate at which you and those processes are happening. So we, we, in terms of what someone would equate that to, would be like in calories per day. We think of a metabolic mm -hmm. rate as calories per day, but there are components of it. It's a breakdown. Are you curious to know what those are? I mean, yeah, yes. of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, the biggest one is called resting metabolic rate. Mm. And so that is uh, just as we're doing here. We are awake and we're sitting. Mm -hmm. So that okay. is all the energy you need to breathe, your heart to go, um, Basically your organs to, to function. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be awake. If, if you were, you know, comatose, we'd call it basal, but really everybody's, you know, pretty much awake uh, during the day. So we call that resting. And that uh, comprises at least 70% of your total energy output. Wow. Then there's about a quarter, and it varies per person, but it's about a quarter that is the uh, physical activity component. And just because you spend 30 minute walking and I walk with you for 30 minutes, we're gonna burn different calories. Right. So that varies, you know, by person because of their body composition and um, training level and et cetera. And then there's this tiny little sliver called, and you'll like this. Oh, I'm curious. Thermic effect of food. So okay. there's an actual energy cost to breaking down a processing, digesting, oh. transporting, uptaking, da, okay. da, 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 your food. So if you've ever heard that, oh, um, celery is negative calories, that's the concept that it comes from is oh. like for the three calories you got in that stock, you actually it took, took you five. Tend to, oh. to break it down yeah. or something. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. So okay. there are components to metabolism. Okay. Uh, there's three main components. Right. Isn't that kind of where calorie comes from? Like the like that's how they determine how many calories are in food. They have to like burn it or something. They basically do. to see how much energy we do we need to expend to break this thing down. Exactly. And huh. and even the term calorie has to do with heat generation. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm not gonna go into the definition, right. so don't ask. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, at what age does metabolism start slowing down? Uh, I've already passed that point, but it's, uh, <laughs> it, it starts at about 30, but I'd say that it becomes more evident probably uh, for uh, women at around 50 and for men at like 40. Okay. So give, give or take, obviously, for, for different people, it's just 
going to be at different times. Hmm. Are there ways to reverse that or like <laughs> or slow that down that? to stop it from you, happening? You, you can tell Candace has been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I kind of have. Did you have a birthday recently? Is that what uh, we're talking about? I'm, just, I'm trying to stop the, the aging process in general, Debbie. <laughs> Most of the decline that, that comes with age actually has to do with uh, a decline in lean body mass. So uh, the weight gain that people see in middle age has less to do with the decrease in their metabolism and probably just more to do with sedentary lifestyle mm. and getting too many calories for where they're at. Right. Okay. So that's why it kind of gets more and more important that you do start finding ways to exercise the older you get. And not just exercise, because sometimes that, you know, the whole concept of, okay, get my shoes on, get this special outfit on I can sweat in, and then spend this specific amount of time in a specific place doing a certain thing. It's physical activity. So if I thought, if I added up all the things I did <laughs> when I was young, right. I mean, I oh, go, yeah. I go to the dog park, I watch my dog, I run with him sometimes from end to end, I see the other dog parents and they're sitting in the shade. In they're there, looking at their, their cell phones. phones. Yeah. I, I go to the playground at the park, and it's the same thing. Right. You know, all these kids are climbing on the structures, right. and they're running around. They're, they're giggling, and they're tagging, and, and the parents are watching. So right. I think we become very much spectators as we get older and just yeah. less participating right. in, huh. in physical activity. Oh, man, that got deep. It's like we're like wow. spectators in life. Yo, <laughs> participate in life. Never stop Don't let playing, it pass you right? by. I have Never to tell you, playing. so when is, the last time, <laughs> when is the last time you, you rode a bike or walked to the grocery store? Well, I don't get, own like, a bike. To get two items that you could carry. Mm. I walk to the grocery store like almost on a daily basis. <gasps> good well. for you. Did yeah, you good for you, Candace. Well, 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 geez, okay. No, but let me tell you, there's, there's this elder gentleman in my neighborhood that I see uh, religiously on a, on a daily basis. He looks like a sweet little Frenchman with his cap. And <laughs> he, he carries his bag, you know, that he gets every mm -hmm. day. He's lean, you mm -hmm. know. He's he's not uh, packing on any extra pounds there. Right. And, and I think, you know, the nature of us driving everywhere contributes. Not that it affects your metabolic rate. I'm just saying that the lack of physical activity as we age compounds the fact that we have less lean body mass and we're not um, using that quarter of our capacity to affect our calorie burn. Right. Yeah, so, that makes sense. So are there ways that you can help increase your metabolism? Besides Speed it up or physical activity? Yeah. <laughs> well, and physical activity is the best one because if we say it's the metabolism is all the chemical reactions going on, so then you want to build more muscle and you want to burn more fuel. Hmm. So really, what are the two things? Oh, well, that's right. resistance exercise right. <laughs> to build muscle and it's the cardio or endurance type exercise to burn more right. fat. Right. So those are really the big primary things uh, in order to retain lean body mass and keep your metabolism up. And having more muscle on your body, will, you'll just start burning more calories at rest, right? And so a little bit. Yes, it's it's less than you would think. And I don't mean to poo-poo anybody's you know strength training goals, uh, but when they actually equate the amount of calories burned per pound, okay, gaining five pounds of muscle is like burning fifty calories a day. Right, another 50. Okay, right. So you're yeah. like, oh, well, if I eat 2,500, 50 is like a drop right, in a hat. It's right. not much. But if you were to stop eating something that had 50 calories of value every day, I don't know, like 
two pieces of candy or something. Then after a year, you right. drop five pounds. Right. That compounding so the, kind of the thing. 50, yeah. the 50 calories now makes it, oh, yeah, if I could save myself five pounds a year. Right. Yeah, that would be great. It, you know, it's interesting with metabolism. It, it makes me, like, the human body is amazing. But, like, I've read about some things where you can, over the course of a year, our bodies are so good at kind of just understanding what we really need. I guess. And so I, sometimes you can be within like, maybe you only gain like a pound, but that could be like 3,500 calories off or something of what you're, you really needed that year technically. And it seems like it's so amazing, like over the distance of time, like how we kind of naturally equilibrate that way. So I could see like where 50 calories with some extra muscle could make a difference when it's compounded like that. It could. And if you have more fat mass, it does not play as well. Mm. Now, uh, fat is metabolically different. You know, it's not, it's not being contracted like skeletal muscle is. Mm. And uh, your body wants to, as you said, have more homeostasis. It wants, it almost wants to stay where it's at. So if you've gained 10, 15, 20 pounds over the last couple decades, well, your body now wants to maintain where it's at now, now presently, right. not where you were. Right. And so that, I think, in fact, makes it harder. Yeah. So I, right. I don't know which is which gotta, is tougher. Right. Yeah, keeping keeping weight gain at bay or trying to lose weight once you've got it. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's probably better if you can catch it early, start early. If now that you know around what would you say 30 our metabolism start, starts, starts to slow down. At 30, yeah. So knowing like okay, when you get into that mode, like bone is that the same with bone health too? Like it starts to Exactly. If your peak bone mass is probably in your late 20s or or by the time you're 30ish, then really what we're all doing is trying to forestall the rate of of bone loss from getting, you know, to osteoporotic right. levels and in your bones, you've always got building and breaking down going on. So you're just trying to keep that building ahead of the breakdown. Right, right. So just try and catch it early, jump into the gym early, start eating better earlier. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the idea. Is there even a way to measure your metabolism? It doesn't seem as simple as like stubby on the scale to measure, you know, your weight or BMI. Is, is it even possible? And like, is that something important that people should know? Well, there's a, a couple different ways to do it, but... I think if someone needs to count calories, if they just don't have an idea or there's a certain plan they want to follow, it's a certain calorie level, yes, you could approximate it with an equation. There's a couple, you know, scientifically valid equa equations like Mifflin St. Jor or Ayrton Jones, and they take your age, your gender, your height, your body weight, and then on top of that, you know, you add in your physical activity. Those even have some variance and, and margins of error, like 15%. Um, but you could uh, get it measured by, like you said, Andrew, uh, calories in food that's like burning it. So mm -hmm. we call that a, a calorimeter chamber. So indirect calorimetry right. hmm. uh, is one way to measure uh, metabolism or incentive spirometry. Did I say that right? Incentive spirometry. No one's going to know. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to know. Incentive spirometry. So basically you, you could do something, but it's like breathing into a snorkel. I mean, right. it's not yeah. very or there, normal. I, I've, I've read about, there's some like intense ones where you're like in a room for like a day or something and they're like pulling the, like not pulling the oxygen out. That sounds terrible, but it's not that. It's like, yes. it's a very clinical medical thing, but it's like, it's or not something you're going to walk mm -hmm. in and do. It's like, yeah, no. it's a laboratory. Kind I got of thing to do it at, at Cal State Long Beach because they oh, were doing some cool. study of something. And I even sat in one of those body composition egg chambers. Oh. Huh. 
forgot the name of it at this point. Sorry. But, uh, you know, it, the laboratory setting is really neat. Right. But it's not practical. It's not practical it's, No, for it's like everyone. hydrostatic it's... weighing in, in a dunk tank. I'm right. like, I, when's the last time I yeah. actually physically saw a dunk tank? Right. No. Right. And do you even need to be that precise with, with your, your metabolism? With your metabolism? Again, only if you're going to have a caloric value of what you're eating to match it with. Right. right. So, duh, if you've been gaining mm. weight or you want to prevent weight gain, then burn more calories and eat less. Right. Yeah. And if it's, for some reason someone is like, wow, I, I just can't keep up my, you know, mm, I keep losing weight or, you know, I, I still am so thin, then it's like you need to pack on more calories right. of what you eat. Counting them is just labeling it. I right. mean, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. It's always one of those two factors. Either you're not burning enough or you're not, uh, or you're not, you're eating too much or it's the opposite, depending exactly. on what yeah. you wanted to do. Yeah. Right. Are there certain foods that can help with this with with speeding up your metabolism in the short term there are some that can affect your your energy burn for the day they're not going to hit or make a dent in that that long term the bulk of your resting metabolic rate that's part of kind of who you are Uh, but we know that uh, like green tea uh, hot chili peppers uh, some things like eggs or beans ginger uh, cold, hmm. ice cold water, the hmm. really? uh, kind of like the digestion of the celery when we talked about um, warming up the water to room temperature costs, you know, is a, is a caloric cost. You take energy to do that. Oh. So if you put ah. in cold water, your body needs to, hey, I got to heat this up and exactly. you expend energy to and do that. And you're spending ah, energy to do it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So drink a couple liters yeah. of cold water. Does that every work day. the same with ice cream? Like it really, it's like, oh, it's so cold with so. the throat freeze. No, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't. Or what about what about green tea ice yeah. cream? Oh, well, yeah. and, yeah, and to get to get an efficient metabolism, you also have to have your an adequate amount of the B vitamins because those are actually within the reactions that that process the food and turn it into energy mm. for your for your muscle cells and so forth. So your your B vitamins like thiamine and riboflavin and um, pyridoxine, which is B6. So the multi, I think that uh, Candace asked me about off air right. and and getting um, good sources of your B vitamins to keep that metabolism conversion happening. I got to say riboflavin is one of my favorite words of all time. <laughs> I have always loved that word. I don't really know what it is exactly, like a Pokemon but character. I know that I need it. It's it B2. Does. It does sound like that. <laughs> um is there are there foods you should stay away from? Not that are going to make your metabolism slower, but if you just think about, well, what is that energy cost? You know, the foods that don't take much energy to process are the things that are very refined, uh, highly processed, or quickly absorbed, or already in the form of fat. Because if it's a what we call a triglyceride, that's the fat that's on your cells in your fat stores. It's also the kind that we eat. So it's not like your body has to repackages it into something else. It's already fat. Hmm. So I would stay away from things like, um, you know, added sugars, processed foods like salami, those um, boxes of instant mashed potato flakes, (laughs) (laughs) things like that, cookies. Yeah. Okay, so now I want to do a segment called Andrew's Sidebar Sides Out. Okay, this is a new segment, okay, another brand new segment, where I basically ask a completely off-topic question, and, uh, and it's just an abs- going to be an absolutely fascinating question every single time, I'm sure. Um, that's probably an overstatement. Uh, so my question <laughs> is, high fructose corn syrup versus sugar, what is the difference in how it affects our body? 
your body probably doesn't know the difference oh. between fructose that is synthesized or has been um, corn, corn syrup has other compounds in it uh, sugar molecules okay. um, but the high fructose corn syrup is not just naturally isolated versus corn syrup right? okay. so it's been made high fructose okay and then sugar that you eat like table sugar is a combination of glucose and fructose Okay. So, so is it kind of, if you see like one thing has, so for example, back of ketchup, one uses high fructose corn syrup and one uses sugar and they taste quite different. But is it, is one better than the other? If those are the only differences? You know, as a very behavioral type of dietitian, I liked it. Does it matter? I mean, if you're looking at so a it tablespoon, doesn't matter. That's what it doesn't really if matter. If you're looking at a tablespoon, and let's let's look at the bigger picture. What are you putting that ketchup on, Andrew? Are you putting it on French fries? I'm just no. It's just straight out of the packet. <laughs> it's just straight out of the packet. It's only. <laughs> He's like, I just eat you it know, by the spoonful. Or yeah. like, right. like the right. high fructose corn syrup versus uh, versus table sugar. Like, oh, or should I put honey in my tea? It's like, okay, well, let's look at the big picture. Are we talking about a teaspoon? in right. your tea like okay. do we do we even care so and let's look at the overall behavior is it that every time you get a cup of tea because it's a little bitter you feel like you want a danish like i think that's uh, a bigger gotcha. issue okay that's why i prefer so tea over coffee coffee's more bitter to me and mm. every time i've got that i want something sweet to right. knock it out and oh, interesting and tea yeah. i just don't feel that it, it goes with more fruity flavors mm. and Later. Okay, so it's so it's kind of like it does. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a difference between it, the two. I don't think at uh, small amounts in in your body. If you're talking about like you know impacts for your health and chronic disease, I think more of the issue is that it's a synthetic or it's a um, adulterated food. Okay, okay, that's exactly what I was just gonna ask. I was like, yeah. does when it's sugar technically be healthier because it's natural versus something that's unnatural mm -hmm. who knew this it's question was gonna be that fascinating because, right you're even because asking most people think sugar is sugar cane but it's really beet sugar and it's refined to be white if you've ever seen a raw sugar or turbinado sugar mm. uh then you know this is completely different right. huh, than right. than table sugar just like you would if you've ever done salt and you're and you got a little uh culinary and you said oh let me try some kosher salt or sea flake salt or it's like wow there's texture to it it's not these really fine granules that pour so easily out of these tiny holes of a mm -hmm. dispenser that we use no i mean natural salt is is crusty and flaky and chunky and mm. um has impurities in it you know so to say that uh it's healthier well it, you know it's like how much salt do you need really need to have an eighth of a <laughs> teaspoon in a day right and like we talked about on a previous episode, we're all getting way too much salt. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, well, thank you. And that now concludes Andrew's sidebar sides out. <laughs> I, what outside factors um, can have an impact on your metabolism? Because I've heard that stress actually increases the body's uh, cortisol levels. And so that adds to stomach fat. So... Hmm. Does that also impact the body's ability to burn energy? Well, you're, you're absolutely right. So cortisol does a couple things. Uh, one, it affects your appetite directly. And second, your blood sugar levels. So both your appetite and how your body is processing blood sugar uh, affect your energy balance. Um, not to mention that the cortisol also, you know, hits your brain and effects of depression, you know, eating and depression are, mm. are very tied, right. uh, tied together. Uh, 
cortisol is a, this doesn't make sense, but it's a catabolic hormone. So it actually breaks things down. But when it breaks things down, it liberalizes them into the bloodstream. And so that's why your blood sugar goes up. Mm. So then it's not good for insulin sensitivity, you know, and um, it's, it's going to break down lean body mass when you don't need it for energy. I'm not starving. I'm not, you know, stranded on a desert aisle. But if my stress is up, the cortisol doesn't know that. Uh, it, it's just going into, you know, survival mode and it, it starts to chip away a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. Does, uh, you know, this is something that I've kind of always wondered. Does metabolism, like if you have a high metabolism, does that mean that you're going to have more energy or like, like if you're really thin, you have a high metabolism, you're just tons of energy and you're bounding around. Does that have any correlation at all? I would say that that bounding around energy does, because hmm. if you look at the people that have, um, okay, so I lied when I said that there were three components because they've identified a fourth. Are you ready? <laughs> a secret fourth? Should we get a, a drum roll? Bonus. No, oh. it's, it's, the, it's kind of like the portion of physical activity that's not deliberate. So if you look at the people that are constantly like fidgety and restless and mm. they tap oh my God, and they, me. you know, mm-hmm. they're burning calories doing that. They really are. Um, and so there's, there's some of that going on, but someone that has quote unquote, a, a high metabolism sort of just won the genetic jackpot uh, lottery of being able to eat more food and maintain their weight than somebody else of the equal, you know, height and and frame size. Hmm. Boy, well, my, silence, depressing. I, yeah. I was just going to be like, well, if my parents are listening. Uh, yeah. Thanks they, for the genes. Yeah, that's what she's ge- saying. Well, yeah. no, not even that. I was no. going to say uh, they always told me to not fidget so much. But oh. apparently, according <laughs> to Debbie so James, I'm just burning calories I'm, I'm totally over here. Okay, I'm working fidgeting. out. I'm technically working out. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're focused. As long as you're not <laughs> distracted. That's what the, uh, the, the fidget click toys were for. That they yeah, the at school. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, the fidget spinners. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To help that 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 was contributing to obesity in America by not letting them fidget as much anymore, right? Because that was the point of those is to not fidget. But as they've much. only been around a couple of years. I couldn't say that. No, I know. I'm kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> it's like, not really. But I'm saying like <laughs> if we're reason. limiting fidgeting, oh, we're limiting yeah. the burning calories, which you know. So I'm just saying. Yeah, let, I, let I, the I kids go, fidget. That's what I'm saying. Or stand up. <laughs> or stand up. You know, to to force someone to sit to learn if it if it goes against their you know brain mechanism hey if I learn better standing up yeah. or shifting my weight from my left foot to my right why don't we just put treadmills in the classrooms you, they can just be walking a walking desk where they're just walking on a treadmill while they're doing their work Same oh time. don't get me started chair exercises are yeah. awesome yeah. Oh, yeah yeah you can you can do calf raises you can do a whole bunch of stuff while you're sitting down but getting getting back to yeah. metabolism, <laughs> that's your that's your purposeful exercise uh, or physical activity movement you know, it doesn't have to be changing your position within the room. It could be in place, just flexing muscles back and forth. Huh. Is yeah. there a certain type of exercise that works better, though, for metabolism? So not that's going to impact RMR, your resting metabolic rate directly. But like we had said, mm-hmm. when you gain lean mass, it, it does increase your calorie burn a little bit. So you're going to need that resistance activity there. However, the more uh, aerobic and uh, endurance exercise that you do will actually increase the amount of calories that you're burning in that physical activity portion. So I kind of think you need both. So what, what incorporates both high intensity interval training or some kind of sports that are, uh, you know, rapid bursts, but still Mm. have uh, a longer play time, Mm. you know? 
Yeah, maybe that's why Hit is becoming so popular. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Candace, we've come to that point in the episode where you have a fantastic question <laughs> about green tea with just a word that I can't wait to hear you try and pronounce. So oh, let's, let's gonna get to that. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. I know it. Okay. So I know green tea contains a compound, and I'm going to try to say it here, known as epigallocat. Chin, golly. I don't, I don't think ep- you said it right at okay, all. Okay, try. Say, try saying it one <laughs> time. Epicalicatechin. Closer? Galley. Okay, galley. Galley. Let's do or the just, pronunciation. Just give yourselves a pass and say EGCG. EGCG. So much, so much easier. EGCG. Yep. But anyway, the point that like I'm trying to make with this is that I've read that it's said to help increase the calories and fat that you burn. Um, so is it, would it be worth it to green, uh, drink green tea or to take green tea supplements for increased metabolism. I really like the notion and and I've seen the the proof of the evidence in the in the studies. However, the volume or the dose that they've used to get such an effect is upwards to the tune of 400 to 500 milligrams of the epigallocatechin gallate. Oh, and wow. so that's so going to equate <laughs> to about 5 cups of green tea a day. I'm a tea drinker. I really like it. But I'm probably gonna, you know, stop at two or three. Yeah. So to, to get that, that full effect, it right. would it would take quite a bit. In fact, we have an upcoming Living Healthy article mm-hmm. on on teas, iced teas for summer. So you could read a little bit more about that there, audience. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for actionable advice. So what do you feel is one of the biggest myths or overused misinformations out there that when it comes to metabolism? Uh, the one that I hear the most uh, without. Uh, a physician or someone actually diagnosing uh, is most people blame their uh, a slow metabolism what they believe is a slow metabolism on um, maybe as a, a hypothyroid where an actuality is less than 10 percent of the population the national institute of diabetes and digestive and kidney diseases say that uh only five out of a hundred people have hypothyroidism so it's a lot lower than is believed to be prevalent. Mm. Most people aren't, aren't really in it's that sca- realm. It's and like a scapegoat. Yeah. So we kind of want to use it as a scapegoat. Yeah. Now, not to not to put aside anyone that, that does have that condition, right. but for those that, that don't, it's like, well, no, really, you need to move more and eat less. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There it's you go. tough love, but... Hey, maybe yeah. you need to hear yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're the sweetest ever, Candace. You're just like, it's tough love. Sorry. Are you are you okay? Do you need to? No, I'm sorry. No. That happens. <laughs> it's like not tying your shoelaces and then you fall down. It's like, oh, well, did you learn something? Right. Okay, you, next right, time right, are right. you going to tie yeah. them? Right. There right. you go. And that's what it's all about. It's about trying to be a little bit better the next day or getting back on the horse, you know, resetting yourself. But, but yeah. the, the truth, the grain of truth in that uh, myth is that your metabolic rate is largely out of your control. It's mostly from your genetics and then, you know, modified by your advancing age um, Mm -hmm. and your, (laughs) and your body composition. So, but your energy intake and your energy burn. So your diet and exercise are within your control. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, talking some metabolism. Uh, It's always good to have you on the show. I'm so motivated to go work out now. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks again to you, our listeners. If there is a topic that you want discussed on a future episode, send an email to blog at LAFitness.com. And follow us on all social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know the drill, at LA Fitness and use the hashtag Living Healthy Podcast when leaving a comment. That way we see it. And last but definitely not least, for that guaranteed access to future episodes, 
you don't want to forget to subscribe. Make it easy on yourself and click subscribe. We can be found on any major podcast streaming platform. And honestly, if you're listening to this, you're on one of those. So just click subscribe and the next episode is going to come straight to your phone. So until next time, thanks for being a good listener and we'll see you in the gym.